1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Nina Pantic and my co host Irina Falcone will be on in just a second. Today, our guest is coming to us straight from Australian Open Quarantine. Jessica Pagula is here to tell us all about what's going on in Melbourne and how she's doing her best to get ready for the first Grand Slam of the year, mostly from her hotel room. Pagula is currently ranked number 64 in the world, and she first cracked the top 100 in 2019 and would win her first WTA title that year in Washington. In 2020, she scored wins over Caroline Wozniacki, Jennifer Brady, Amanda Anisimova, and Irina Sabalenka, and appeared in the final of Auckland, losing to Serena Williams. She talks about her 2020 and what it meant to her to be inside of the top 100 when things started going crazy on the WTA Tour during the pandemic. And if you know anything about the Pagula family, you know Jessica's dad, Terry, owns the Buffalo Bills, and they're having a great season, to say the very least. Here's our chat with Jessica Pagula. All right, Jessica, welcome to the show. It is awesome to hear from you. I know you're in Australia in quarantine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm
2: yeah, surviving. Uh, I get to go outside for those five hours. So I'm I'm actually doing I'm doing well.
3: (laughs) What day is it today of quarantine?
2: What? Honestly, I don't know.
3: (laughs) I think it's like six.
2: I think I'm honestly trying not to keep count because I feel like that's going to make it go by slower. I know a lot of people are doing like the countdowns and I'm like, I don't know if I could do that just because it's like, it would seem too far away, but um, I think we're around six.
3: Gotcha. So in, in a gist, in a nutshell, for people that don't know what's going on, what is it like to be practicing and be a tennis player competing for the Australian Open right now?
2: Yeah it's definitely, um, it's different. Uh, I think we're all learning to adapt right now in uh, in what's going on. Um, obviously some players have it maybe better than others, um, so you kind of just have to take the hand you were dealt and, uh, and sort of deal with it unfortunately. But um, I think it'll be nice after the quarantine's done. Uh, there's not really any restrictions here, so it's going to be weird. We're going to go from being quarantined to being free for the first time in a year almost. Wow.
3: Wow.
1: It's going to be a massive change. I'm excited about that for you, but I want to ask you as well, how your experience has been traveling to Australia. You came from Abu Dhabi, right? What were the first couple of days like waiting for test results and hearing about all the other positive tests on all these different flights, including I think one from the Middle East.
2: Yeah, there was, um, so there was multiple flights from Dubai, I think in Abu Dhabi. So I came from Abu Dhabi, the flight, The day before me was one of the positive cases, and our flight (laughs) was lucky enough. Actually, our flight was left three a.m. Abu Dhabi time, and we landed eleven p.m. Melbourne time. And I was thinking, my coach, because they booked it for us, so I had no idea like what time. I didn't pick a time really. I think you could maybe choose a preferred day. I was like, why are we on this three a.m. flight? Gosh, it's it's kind of sucks. Like, and now I'm like, thank goodness we were on the three a.m. flight. Um, But yeah, it was. It wasn't, it was actually a pretty smooth process for me. Um, You know, it was a private charter. Uh, We still went through the airport, but they, you know, they knew who we were, they knew we were coming and they made it pretty easy. And even when we landed, um, we had to go through, you know, the government and the health department testing us and all this stuff. But honestly, it was a smooth transition. Um, I think they were a little behind on testing for the first few days, so it just took a while to get our tests back. Um, and then, you know, you're hearing about these other flights where there's positive cases. And so you're literally just sitting in your room, like kind of panicking, like, Oh my God, (laughs) like hoping to like, I'm like refreshing my email. Like, please don't give me an email that says like your flight needs to be
3: the the anxiety has got to just be at an all time high. It was, I think everyone's anxiety was just like (laughs) so bad. And then,
2: you know, lock everyone in your room and it just makes it even worse. So it was, yeah, it was stressful.
3: So are you just there with your coach or do you also have your fiance over there?
2: So my fiance only came to Abu Dhabi um, okay. just because didn't. it was going to be a long time for him to come uh, to quarantine here. And I got here and I was like, good thing you didn't. <laughs> um, because it would have been tough because uh, my coach is here, uh, David Witt. So he is here and you can only bring one person to the court. So I'm like, you would have been stuck in your room. For two weeks, because uh, you can only, as of right now, bring one person from your from your team. So wow. that's also, you know, caused you know some more stress on players and stuff. But that that we knew ahead of time, so that was we always kind of knew that. So I was like, you know, I don't know if you really want to go and sit in your room for two weeks, but I think the way it worked out, it was probably better.
1: Did you know ahead of time that if one person tested positive that everyone would have to quarantine? Because I know one of them was a flight attendant. So in that case, she would have or he would have gone down all the aisles. But I heard that only the person in your row or your little section of the plane would have to quarantine.
2: Yeah, you know that's where things got really iffy because I don't know. Honestly, I wasn't on every call. So apparently they did say that on one call. Um, He obviously did say, you know, it is up to the health department and the government. Um, and I think, you know, when we're signing all these quarantine arrival forms and all these declaration forms, you know, you're kind of, it's like one of those things you press agree and like submit. And I think it's one of those things where obviously they're saying, listen, if something does happen, like we are in control. So I think it's one of those things that maybe wasn't said enough. Because um, I think it would have probably scared a lot of people into not coming, but at the same time, I think when you look at it, you got to kind of know that that's a possibility. So it's just one of those things, though, that I think is just frustrating for players because it was some players are out, some players are in Adelaide. Then you got three flights that can't leave the room. So it's just it's one of those things that was a little wishy-washy, I would say. But, um, I mean, some players seem to know, some didn't. So it's like one of those things where. I think everyone, you know, the people that are stuck are just very frustrated. And um, yeah, I don't know.
3: (laughs) You're a tennis player. You just adjust, right? Adjust with adversity. And
2: honestly, I think most players know that they're going to have to adjust. I think some, you know, you want to complain because you're frustrated and you're stuck in your room and you're sitting there going, I have to play the Australian Open. And we were invited to come here. And now it's going to be really hard for me to like perform at a high level, which is what our job is to do. So, um, but I think honestly, for the most part, everyone's been fine. I mean, there's a few people that have gone and complained, but at the same time, I mean, they still have to quarantine They're, you know, they still have to do it. It's not like anyone can get out of it. So again, I think it was hard the first few days cause no one had any idea what was going on, but now it's calmed down a lot and people are like, you know what, we got to deal with it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it'll be fine once we get over this, this crazy two week hump.
3: And who's your, who's your practice partner?
2: My practice partner is Rebecca Peterson.
3: Nice. Nice. So you guys get five hours of non hotel quarantine. So does that include like the cool down and the stretching and the physio and all that, or what exactly does that entail? What's that five hours entail?
2: Yeah. So, um, we get like literally like we get like a pickup time. So they come and they knock on your door, um, And so you get your schedule and they'll say like, I'm my pickup times at 4 PM today. So they give you like 15 minutes to get down, go to the courts, which are really close. And, um, you, they take you straight to the court. They're like, you know, you're on court seven and you go to court seven, you have the court for two hours. And then after that, someone comes, gets you and takes you to like a little fitness area and you get 90 minutes there and they come get you take you to, to go sit and eat and you get like an hour to eat and then you get, you know, then they take you again back to the car and you have like the, your little time slot to get to your hotel. Um, so it's pretty, it's a rigid schedule. I think uh, actually today they just started putting the gym first because some of the players were saying, you know, we really don't get time to like warm up or do anything. Do you think we could just switch it around? So they're going to actually switch it around starting today. Um, See so we get the gym first and then court time. So, I mean, it's just, it's basically like you're on a strict schedule, but um, I was actually telling my coach, it's actually a good amount of time because you probably wouldn't do any more than that anyways. Uh, You know, so it's actually a good amount of time. By the time you get back, you know, you're tired, you shower, you know, you relax, you order something to eat um, depending on what time you hit. But
1: uh, yeah, I I actually, I think the, the time
2: amount is actually pretty good. So
1: I'm curious if you see anyone, you know, when you're like walking past or going to the court next to each other, can you wave and say hi? you definitely can't go and like see each other like up close, right? Do you have to like stand six feet apart? Yeah, because you
2: walk like, you know, through the courts and they have like these walking areas set up and you're always like, hey, like over there. <laughs> and you like try to talk and walk and then people are like, okay, come on, let's go. And you're like, okay, yeah, so like this is crazy, right? Like, you know, and then you try to start talking about something. So, I mean, they do let you do that. Um, Obviously, everyone has their mask on anyways. Um, So that we can do, but yeah, we can't really go up to anyone or stop. And plus, I think they're on such a strict time schedule with um, keeping everyone in their time slots, which is the big thing. So they can keep everything, um, you know, on time. Because at first they were having some delays uh, just with, you know, knowing what to do, transporting people and like the whole process. So uh yeah we say hi
1: from a distance. <laughs> so every it's gonna time be I, wild when you're all free. Yeah.
3: Um so every time I go to Australia any any slam there's a sense of you know you're so focused but you also want to go out and about and do some things. If you're in Paris you want to go see the Eiffel Tower and the, the Louvre and all that stuff. Do you feel that this is the most focused you've been at a slam? Uh
2: Not really, just because we're still like two weeks away. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's a little weird because you're still like, I mean, not even really playing that many practice sets yet or not, you know, it's like, and you don't see the people in the atmosphere and we're not really in the facility either. So, I mean, we're in the facility, but we're all outside on the courts. Like we don't go in anywhere, any buildings. Uh, You don't really see any Tennis Australia staff or people um so to be honest for me not really I think it's you just feel kind of weird I, I'm like I just hold my coach I'm like I don't really know what like where are we what we're do-. like it's like a weird feeling like mm-hmm. you get transported to these courts and they're like all right you get five hours and then they just take you back to your room and it's like you don't really feel like you're at a slam so but I mean it'll be interesting because that's kind of been how a lot of tournaments have been this year a little bit um so it'll be interesting when we're done to having a fan like having fans there will be the first time really we're having like a decent amount of fans. French they had a little bit on some of the courts, but here they're I think they're doing like 50%. Um so I think once that happens and we're there practicing and there's, you know, people and stuff walking around, I think it'll feel more official.
3: Gotcha. So before you went over to Abu Dhabi and we're getting ready for Australian Open, um, what was your off season like? Where, where did you do it? Did, were you with your coach the whole time?
2: Uh, yeah. So I was in Boca, uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Um, I, yeah, we were all kind of sitting around waiting for kind of the schedule for the year. Cause we were supposed to be here in like, just des- like early December. So things kind of got switched around. And so, you know, everyone's preseason was kind of like, no one really knew when the time was, you know, to kind of finish preseason and get ready to play. Um, so it was, it, that was interesting, but you know, in Florida, it's, you know, there's courts everywhere. You can train whenever it was, you know, you just kind of just kept training for like a few months and we're like, okay, I'll just wait for the email, you know, when things (laughs) are happening. So honestly that's kind of just what I did. Uh, I was in Buffalo New York for a little bit, um, for Christmas and Thanksgiving. So that was nice to go back up there and come back. And that was the nice thing about them pushing this back is that, uh, we didn't get to miss Christmas, which I love Christmas at home. So it was going to be brutal if we had to leave like, you know, a month earlier, um, and miss Christmas and stuff. So I'm glad I got to be home.
1: It was nice seeing all the players posting about Christmas at home, because like you said, it's pretty rare. Usually you guys are already traveling or literally on a plane on Christmas Eve or day. So that was nice to see. And then overall your 2020 year, I know it was crazy and short, but you had some huge wins and you had some, you had the third round of the U S open. Did you have time to reflect on the, on the good things that came out of 2020 at the, during your off season? Or did you just jump right into training for 2021?
2: <laughs> no yeah I definitely had a good year and I did a good job of you know making you know some good results from what time we had to really compete so that was really exciting um yeah no of course I reflected on it and it was a good year for me and I think it it's fun because it makes you you know the motivations there to do better next year so it's not I didn't feel um you know like oh, okay I lost first round I lost first round like I'm gonna play a tournament and like four months from now, like, you know, you get kind of down on yourself, but, uh, I, yeah, I didn't really have that at all. I felt good. And I was, you know, felt good about training and keeping in shape. And honestly too, like, I don't really do anything else. (laughs) So like, I, like, I'm like, what am I going to do? Skip practice today? Like, you know, it's like one of those things where I, I don't know, I've been very motivated this past year and felt good about, you know, working out, keeping in shape, practicing. So, you know, that, that was easy for me. And, um, it was yeah fun to see that I still had good results considering the crazy year that we had.
3: I mean, you do have something. Are you not married yet? You're not, <laughs> no, married, I, yet. I, you're not no, married yet, right? No, I'm not. No. Okay. So you were probably planning a little bit of a wedding.
2: <laughs> yeah. But like, so we were supposed to get married in October last year. So like the thing was already <sighs> planned. So I literally have not had to do one thing for it. I mean, obviously this year uh, we postponed it a year, so I'm getting married this October now. And so I'm, mean, you know, in a few months, obviously I need to start like making sure things are in check, but like, I honestly haven't had to do anything for my wedding in a while. That's like my mom and I kind of knocked it out really quick. And then we were like, you know, just postponing things. And then now we postponed it a year and now I'm just kind of like,
3: you're chilling. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just chilling.
2: <laughs> so that's that, not, that works that's not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad at all. It sounds like in a way, like, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fine. It worked out, but yeah. Aren't you, are you getting, did you get married yet?
3: Irina? no, I am still engaged. So I I feel your pain of just everything with COVID and everything. It's just kind of postponed everything. So yeah. yeah, it is.
2: I mean, I, I didn't find it that stressful to postpone, but like, you know, obviously though, like you pay money to book your venue. And like, I don't know if you had a big venue or a small venue, whatever, but like that part's a little stressful because, you know, everyone's in tough times and you know, they're really like, Oh, we can, you can postpone it, but you can't like, we're not going to give you a deposit back. And you're like, okay. Ugh. Like, so, you know, like that was with me. So I'm like, okay, I hope everything's good enough to go this year or else like, then you start having to deal with like issues of all right, are you just gonna change it and do something small at home? Are you gonna do this? And are you gonna get your money back? Are you gonna have to, you know, you already paid for all these things? And then that's kind of like the only stressful part I would say about, about mine, but so far it was easy to postpone everything. So I didn't find it too stressful, but people still managed. I guess I've seen a lot of weddings in quarantine this year.
1: Hey, everyone. You're listening to a special episode of the Tennis.com podcast with Jessica Pegula. She's giving us insight into what it's like to prepare for a Grand Slam while in quarantine. Keep listening for more. All right. So I wanted to ask you some more tennis questions as much as I love you guys are engaged. But like what? What? um <sighs> Was there ever any doubt in your mind about traveling to Australian Australian Open? You're ranked right now in the top 70. So obviously getting in was not going to be a concern, but was there ever a moment where you were like, Oh, maybe I should go. Or you're, you sound like you're fully, fully committed to this.
2: Yeah, no, I not really. I mean, once, yeah, once it, I was always committed to going cause I mean, Craig and the Australian tennis Australia always said that they were planning on having it. So I didn't really have any doubt. Um, I think I was a little concerned maybe about the French just because stuff was so new and it was, uh, you know, US Open pulled it off, but you're in the States. So you feel a lot more comfortable than possibly having to be quarantined somewhere else. But no, I, I thought Australia had enough time to kind of figure things out. And even though with the strict quarantine, I was like, again, there's, you never know what's going to go on this year. You know, give yourself a chance to play. knows things could get worse the rest of the year and you don't play anything for months so um yeah for me i was always i was always going to play here
3: so we understand that with COVID and global pandemic and all that it's it's kind of tough to plan for the future as you know Mm -hmm. um the wta calendar is not exactly filled yet but Mm -hmm. what was what would your schedule look like right now
2: so uh yeah so they added um some events here um they added to try to keep like the aussie summer schedule a little bit it's just a little all a lot different obviously this year so they have a tournament the week before uh main draw starts so they're still planning on having that it's at the same venue at melbourne park um so they're gonna do that as like kind of like a warm-up um so i'm gonna play that then australia and then they added a tournament the second week of australia so hopefully i don't have to play that because that means I would still be in, but if not, I would play it. And then they added a tournament after the Australian Open too, which I believe is supposed to be in Adelaide, but I'm not sure about that. Um, So I was possibly thinking of playing that. Honestly, I signed up for like everything because then it goes into Doha, Dubai. And then I think Miami, Charleston, I think that's kind of the swing. So I would definitely be trying to play those. I'm sure not everything, uh, depending on how I do you know, I'll probably give myself a week in between some of those, but, um, I think I definitely would want to play like Dubai and then Miami, obviously, um, and Charleston. So that's kind of all I had in my mind for now, but to be honest, and I think a lot of the girls are just signing up for everything. Um, obviously they're a little bit, not as strict on withdrawing from tournaments too, because they know, you know, we're in a, we're in a unknown situation with these tournaments week to week. So it's kind of just sign up for everything. And
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be nice that you're ranked high enough to get in kind of to any tournament you want to, you crack the top hundred in 2019. What did that milestone mean to you in your career?
2: Yeah, that was definitely a big one. I think for everyone, that's a big one. It's like that, you know, monkey off your back, like, okay, finally, like you break into the top 100. Um, so yeah, I definitely felt like I got a lot of confidence from that. And, um, obviously now you know you try to at least stay in the top 100 or you know get to top 50 or whatever your goal is um so you're always working and it's just honestly I think it's just so week to week I think you just have to have a good mindset I mean you could lose first round first round and then you could win the tournament like it's so I don't think you can really get too caught up in the rankings because things change every week um obviously I'm glad I'm hit that top 100 like a good ranking before all of this happened, because it definitely is way less stressful. It's really, really hard seeing all these girls that are ranked outside that can't really get in, or with all the travel, you don't know if it's worth it to spend all this money to travel, to go play, you know, qualifying of one event um, with all the COVID stuff, and then obviously the ITF tour, you know, I'm not sure if they have a schedule yet this year, but I know last year, like, they really didn't have anything, so... It's tough to see that happen.
3: It's slim pickings right now. So getting to top 100 and being top 70 right now, it's a great achievement. And I'm just curious, I'm always very curious about if there was a change or something that you focused on or something that you started doing that maybe helped you catapult into that top 100 range.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say uh, my fitness got a lot better and I just stayed healthy. Um, I would always kind of do well and then I would get kind of like, okay, I'm starting to play the big events now, more points, more money, whatever. And I would get hurt or something wouldn't go right. And then I kind of fall back down and then you got to claw your way back up. Uh, So I would definitely say staying healthy. And then um, I think just with staying healthy, I got a lot fitter too. Um, So that I think definitely would probably be the main thing that I would say got me, you know, to kind of break into that top 100 range. Um, I was just fitter winning more matches, winning more, you know, free points with my fitness instead of, um, you know, not being or making errors or, you know, stuff like that. So I would say definitely the fitness.
1: You mentioned it there though. You mentioned like you, the next goal will be top 50. How much do you think about stuff like that? Cause you are kind of inching towards it. Is that in your head?
2: Yeah, I think it's something that, um, I'm not really thinking of, I mean, it's a goal, but at the same time, I think it's more a mindset. Like, okay, I know I can play with the top 50. There's no reason not to be ranked top 50. It's not like it's, I think I've realized that sometimes we like even top 100, like you set it like to the standard of like, it's like this crazy achievement and then you do it and you're like, okay. Like it wasn't not that it wasn't hard, but it was like you made it seem so much harder in your head when you realize, wow, I, I, can play with these girls why was I thinking like oh my god like someone ranked you know 80 is like so much better than someone ranked 150 because I mean the reality is they're not that much different um maybe it's like I said like a little bit of fitness maybe mentally they're a little bit tougher but at the end of the day like there's really not much different everyone top freaking like I don't know 300 400 hits the ball well like there's really not A big difference so i think mentally it's more just believing in yourself that you can get there not so much um stressing out about it as a goal
0: with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hey, listeners, this is an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Jessica Pagula. She's sharing all about what it's like to be a top 100 player during a pandemic. Keep listening for more.
3: So, you've been working with uh David Witt for a while, and I know that he's coached Venus for a very long time, and he obviously has a bundle of experience. Is there anything that he's brought to the court uh that you've been able to really take in and uh you know has it helped you has Has there been anything that's really stuck out that he's helped you with
2: yeah i well, I think confidence too like really is a big one um obviously he knows the way I should play. And that was always easy. You know, obviously you want to agree with your coach on how you, which way you think your game should go. So I think he's um, definitely helped with some intangibles, just like coming into the net volleys, um, you know, off the court defensive kind of shots, but he knows I need to play aggressive at the same time. So I think he's kind of helped added those little things um, helped me with my, my serve, I would say a lot. And then um, I think the confidence too, he's just like, you can like, just the matter of fact, kind of like, you can beat these girls. Like, it's not like, it's not a question or it's not, Oh, let's, you know, let's see what happens. It's like, no, you can beat these girls like right away from the get-go when I started with him. So I think I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I think I can. <laughs> it was kind of like, you know, sometimes you just need someone to say something. Um, it was funny. Cause I think I've told this somewhere before, but before Washington DC, when I want it whenever I won it not last year the year before um, and that was I think we had a week before we just started the week before so we were kind of still in like a trial period and I just remember walking through the tournament and I like won my first round and there were a lot of upsets I think like Sloan lost uh, Maddie lost um, and like to good players but you know you don't expect them to see to see them to go out in the first second round and so like I remember him looking up at the screen or at the draw and he was just like no reason you can't win this tournament too and I just kind of like stuck in my head and I was like huh I was like yeah I guess (laughs) I won the tournament but it was just like one of those things where like I said it's kind of just a matter of fact confidence to like you have the game you can do it like and then just believing in yourself so I think he's helped with that um helping me believe that you know I can play at the top level
1: Very cool. Yeah. I was going to ask you about winning DC. So I'm glad you covered it yourself. And I have to ask you about the Buffalo Bills because they are absolutely doing so well this season. How have you been following them during your travels? It can't be easy.
2: No, we were, uh, in Abu Dhabi, we got like some shady stream, um, that we saw like (laughs) most of the game, but then like the fourth quarter, it was like cutting out. So we didn't even see like all the craziness that happened at the end. And I was like freaking out. I was I was like, oh, this is so stressful. And then actually luckily here, we got it on TV. It's on like, you know, a feed through NBC or something. So it's actually super easy to watch. Um, and then they play again, I think Sunday, but I think it's Monday morning, my time. So um, I made sure to take my day off on that day. <laughs> I told Rebecca, I mean, we were like talking about days off and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take it off when the bills play so I can watch them play in the morning. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's been fun following, to be honest, from afar, because it's, I don't know, it's just like, you know, we've been in quarantine, we were in quarantine, or not quarantine, but we were in a bubble in Abu Dhabi. So it's just something to look forward to, you know, um, to watch their to watch their games, and they've had a great season. Uh, so I mean, it was funny, my sister, my younger sister was supposed to come here, and she was like... I don't know if I want to come anymore because the bills are playing so well. She's like, what if they make it to the super bowl and I'm like, miss it. And I, cause it's in Tampa this year too. And not that we're there yet, but I just, she's like, you know, I, I don't want to miss like being home and watching it. So that's actually kind of why she failed, (laughs) but I was like, I guess it's a good reason. So (laughs) better than being stuck in the room here. Um, So yeah, it's been super fun, super fun following them.
3: Well, speaking of like things to look forward to, obviously you have hopefully a wedding and you know the rest of your season. Is there anything else that you're looking forward to for 2021 for you? Um,
2: I don't know. I think yeah, I think just play, trying to play this season and kind of just learning to adapt as we go. Um, yeah, obviously getting married is definitely one of the things I'm really looking forward to. So, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting year I don't really have any you know crazy things planned for this year besides you know getting married so I would say just my wedding and I think just learning to adapt um you know week to week and playing events um I'm still you know really excited to be out there competing so I think just being able to play tournaments honestly I'm just looking forward to it because I mean we played some last year but obviously a lot less so um definitely excited to kind of just play everything that I can and uh, just compete because I think that's what we all want to do.
3: That's awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing you compete in the Australian Open, and we look forward to seeing you play, hopefully, as much as you possibly can. And, um, yeah, it's so nice of you to – Yeah, go Bills. (laughs) And thanks for taking the time and good luck and try and stay sane and healthy. And, Yeah. uh, yeah. Enjoy being down under.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chiu.